0: Welcome. This is James Corbett of Corbett report.com I'm James Evan Pilato
1: of MediaMonarchy.com, and we both welcome you back to another important episode of the New World Next Week. And everything you need is at NewWorldNextWeek.com. James, let's blast right into it with a story we started to cover almost one year ago here on New World Next Week, but now it's come very, very close. As Brazil tells World Cup attendees, don't scream when robbed. This via the Beeb. Brazilian police have put together a pamphlet of top tips for staying safe during the World Cup next month, with suggestions such as making sure not to scream if someone tries to rob you. Do not react, scream, or argue, says the brochure, which will be handed out by Brazilian embassies and consulates. The state of Sao Paulo newspaper reports. Sao Paulo police, who reportedly put together the document, are aiming their security tips at football fans planning to attend the World Cup tournament that runs June 12th through July 13th. The idea is to apparently warn visitors not to provoke robbers into further violence and avoid increasingly the increasingly common crime of latrocinios or robbery that ends in murder, which is fascinating that you have to come up with your own term for that. Tourists come mainly from Europe and the U.S. where they do not see this kind of crime very often, says Mario Liette, who is in charge of World Cup security in Sao Paulo. Tourists are also advised not to flaunt valuable objects that might attract robbers, to be careful at night, make sure you're always with other people, and check to make sure that no one's following you. The guidelines might sound extreme, but police officer Mario Lietti says they are there to deal with realities on the ground There's no use crying over spilt milk, he says. Brazil has one of the highest murder rates in the world. In 2012, the United Nations Office on Drugs and Crime said 25.2 people are killed per 100,000 population. James will include a couple of interesting flashback links, noting just over a year ago, Brazil crime bosses threatened the World Cup of Terror. Leaders of one of Brazil's most feared gangs have warned they will order a wave of terrorist attacks during next year's, now this year's, World Cup if they are moved into a maximum security prison in the state of Sao Paulo. Now, much more recently, April 19th from The Guardian, Brazil's plans for anti-terror law alarms rights groups as campaigners fear legislation being introduced for the tournament will be used to suppress anti-government protests. James, we could go on and on with this, and we do have our own New World Next Week flashback. Brazil protests erupt over public services and World Cup costs. We covered this story, James, back in June of 2013, and I think all that I could say about this, like most countries, one, where drugs are illegal, the cartels pretty much run the show, which keeps the crime high and the competition low. And the other thing I would note... Whether it's the Olympics or the Super Bowl or whatever mega sports ball event, you don't want it coming to your town.
0: James. Yeah, it's like the G twenty or, or something like that. You don't want it coming to your town because it's really it just causes these types of problems. It's uh, it's interesting to see how the government on on one hand you have the police saying we can't help you. You're gonna you're probably gonna get robbed. Just to, you know try to go limp and, <laughs> and don't do anything about it. Um, and then on the other hand you have the government coming in with anti terror laws and the like because they they can keep you safe. Right. Um, it's obviously direct contradiction there. But uh, this story brings to my mind a story that I I can't remember if we covered it on the New World next week or maybe you covered it back on the old Media Monarchy podcast but I remember there was a uh, a, a county somewhere in the United States where the police basically admitted they just didn't have the, the resources to police uh, people anymore, so, but you better buy your own gun and, you know, prepare for, prepare for your own defense, basically. I can't remember where that was, but I think that's I mean, there's obviously economic signs to this, and whatever they might be saying about Brazil's, you know, remarkable rise, economic rise over the past decade uh, stories like this one prove that there's still very much an, an under uh, class L, uh, criminal element there that's looking to try to make hay on all of these uh, global tourists that are going to be wandering around the streets. So a um, uh, pretty sad story in a lot of different fronts.
1: It really is, and I, I just I find it interesting just on the analogy angle of it, of not to provoke robbers into further violence if you if you lay that out into other parallels, whether you're talking about the the, the banksters that are robbing all of us, don't scream when you're being robbed because you know that might make them become that much more violent against you as, as if it's just saying just lay down, play dead, and as, as you said, just just take it and, and you'll be robbed. that's I, I find the really disturbing part of this, James. but hopefully we've kind of put that on the record a month ahead of the World Cup starting and having said that james we'll move to our second story this week which is just now unfolding as folks out there are watching this episode 193 of the new world next week and that is the 9-11 story told at bedrock powerful as a punch to the gut after a decade marked by deep grief partisan rancor war financial boondoggles and inundation from hurricane sandy The National September 11th Memorial Museum at Ground Zero is finally opening ceremonially Thursday, May 15th, with President Obama present and officially to the public next Wednesday. It delivers a gut-punch experience, though if ever a new museum had looked right along like a disaster in the making, this one did, beginning with its trifurcated identity. Was it going to be primarily a historical document? a monument to the dead, or a theme park-style tourist attraction? How many historical museums are built around an active repository of human remains still being added to? How many cemeteries have a $24 entrance fee and sell souvenir t-shirts? How many theme parks bring you repeatedly to tears? That's what this museum does. This story, James, from the New York Times goes on, but I think it's also interesting to get into what they have actually in the museum and, and a different piece, which is actually an interactive one from, again, the New York Times, notes that the installation is called from over 10,000 artifacts. Called, I suppose, is an interesting use of words. Called from over 10,000 artifacts in the museum's collection, and some of them are devastating. Recordings of last phone calls, photographs of doomed firefighters heading into action, For some reason, the largest objects, an intact fire truck with carefully folded hoses but a burned-out cab, a storefront jeans display still covered with WTC ashes, those are maybe the easiest to take, maybe because of their public identity. The hundreds of small, battered personal items many donated by families of victims are a different story. Their natural realm is the purse, the pocket, the bedside drawer at home. They feel too ordinary and intimate to have ended up under plexiglass. Infused with lost life, they make the experience of moving through this museum at once theatrical, voyeuristic, and devotional. Now, James, I find this just, as, as these articles kind of say, it's almost kind of too much, too much to bear, James
0: it is always pretty ghoulish and unseemly to put these types of collections together at the best of times, let alone when it's serving such blatantly propagandistic purposes. And I think that's because obviously this plays directly on people's um, most deeply held uh, uh, emotions and things that a lot of people have probably locked away for, for over a decade. It'll bring it all back. It'll put the the wounds fresh in the minds of a lot of New Yorkers, etc. So um, that's, in fact, the, uh, the 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 common theme, if you look at the coverage of this that's going through all of the uh, the various reports that are swirling around this in the mainstream media. They're all talking about emotionally overwhelming and, and these types of things, you know, people breaking down, looking at the, these um, memento mori. And it is a pretty disgusting uh, a phenomenon, because specifically, I mean, not only because it serves the propagandistic purpose, ultimately, of reinforcing the official narrative of 9/11 and all the holes and 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 uh, plot points of that, not only because it comes becomes a type of shrine to the 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 type of you know death and destruction that these uh, psychopaths caused, and I, I think are secretly kind of relishing in it, but also, I mean, you look at the phenomenon. We there there was that story that that never really got a lot of attention, but there were FBI agents caught stealing little Memento Mori from Ground Zero after 9-11, illegally taking some of the things from Ground Zero to, you know, put in their little private collections at home, I guess. And uh, and that story, again, was confirmed, but not really talked about a lot. But it goes to show, I think, the mentality of these people and what this kind of collection is about, and you contrast this mu- museum to for something like uh, the the Hiroshima Peace Museum, which is not too far away from me here in Western Japan, and it's uh, a similar idea. It's little mementos and artifacts and things uh, of uh, of things that were in Hiroshima at the time of the atomic bomb blast, and it is a is a really powerful and overwhelming experience to go through there and to take a look at this. So I I think I understand the type of uh, emotional heartstrings that can be pulled with with. With this type of a museum. But as I say, the idea that this is being done in service of the 9 11 lie and only to further the uh, the, the war on terror narrative and all the lies that we've been fed over the past decade and a half, I mean, it's enough to make me want to vomit in a lot of different ways.
1: Now, James, here's a question Do we know why this is now opening at somewhat Kind of seemingly random time and not around the anniversary is it because it was overdue, and now they 're just getting it opened as soon as possible i don 't know if we know yeah, that
0: yeah that 's a very good question i don 't know that off the top of my head, but I do remember um, it was several months ago that I published a wired dot com story on on twitter i I tweeted out the uh, the wired story that they published, and it had some sneak preview kind of photos of this. This was months and months ago, so um, I don't know if it's behind schedule or what, or maybe it's just it's ready now, so they'll open it now. But um, but it is it is strange because you would think they would try to make use of the uh, the, the anniversary type coverage around it.
1: The other note will add, James, it's it's I think it's interesting to note that the 9-11 janitor, the key master, the man who saved countless lives, William Rodriguez, tweeted out at 911 WTC, quote, it's official. I will be on the ceremony at Ground Zero to open the new 9 11 museum with President Obama this Thursday. Watch the news. I had the opportunity actually to meet uh, William Rodriguez seven years ago here in Portland when he was on a speaking tour. So I don't think we can really hold our breaths that he's going to drop a 9-11 truth bomb in the middle of the ceremony. Otherwise, they probably would not have invited him there in the first place. James, but any we, we
0: should put it on the record for people who don't know that William Rodriguez, of course, testified to bombs going off at the time the, the uh, planes were hitting underneath uh, the, the... in the basement of the World Trade Center. So it is important. His story is important. Absolutely. Hopefully, even if he doesn't get much more than a photo opportunity. At least hopefully a few more people will be introduced to his story through those.
1: Definitely. Now, James, let's move to our third and final segment this week. And it's going to be another hashtag good news next week update rundown as I think this proves to be a really important segment, James, that we've been trying to do more and more. And I think it's something that folks out there get excited about and want to get involved in more and more. And you can tweet your good news ideas using Hashtag good news next week. Congrats to our, our man Miles and everyone out there in New South Wales. It's just been announced on the ABC, the Australian broadcasting company, that Met Gasco's license has been revoked. Met Gasco drilling suspended and the company referred to the Corruption Commission. This all swirls around the blockade and they've been using hashtag Bentley blockade. And I think it shows, James, that, that people power works. Do you, do you have any take on this?
0: Uh, I haven't been following it closely. It is good to hear that this breakthrough is happening. And hopefully it will not be one of those stories that turns around, you know, months later when nobody's looking. But, uh, but at any rate, let's celebrate the victory while it's here. Absolutely. Uh, Another story we were following
1: recently on New World Next Week, FCC chairman to rethink controversial net neutrality proposals. And a lot of folks have been jumping on this, whether it's I've seen artists and bands and mainstream and independent and otherwise getting involved in telling the FCC what you think about their net neutrality proposals. And I think even the uh, Bernie Sanders page out of Vermont has been the main thoroughfare with which the FCC is is getting bombarded. And, of course, we covered this just a couple of weeks ago here on New World Next Week. The other thing we've covered recently here is that the massive wave of bankster suicides slowly but surely finally getting noticed by the mainstream media. And that was tweeted at us at Theory. James, some of the other great good news stories we'll briefly mention. There's a documentary called Fed Up, and it gets into the cause of the massive obesity problem plaguing not only America, but also all around the world. Is A lot of it is, is fake, phony, refined sugar being added to all our foods, causing all of this obesity. The interesting and really even better good news note on this tweeted at Shane Pollack, that after three months of not eating sugars and sweeteners, he said he's lost 40 pounds. And so we want to we encourage that because going through you know my own travails with quitting cigarettes two years ago, I think sharing those victories and having other folks out there kind of cheer you on, I think is a really important thing. So huge props to Shane Pollock. Rare Bee believed extinct since 1946 comes back to life. Dallas, Texas considers ending 50 years of water fluoridation. Lagarde and Condi cancel speeches after protests. Those are two different speeches. IMF Lagarde and, of course, Condi Rice canceling different speeches because they knew they were going to get pounded by protests. And lastly, James, the funny good news next week. Note, study finds swearing can be good for you.
0: There are lots of choice words I would have to say if that is true, but I will save the ears of our, of our uh, poor, unfortunate, uh, innocent little listeners uh, for, for, for that. Well, uh, again, a lot of interesting and, and, and positive stories, and it is good to see more people going out there and taking action. So let's continue to highlight that. Again, if you do have your own idea for good news, please do tweet it out, good news, hashtag good news next week, or of course you can contact uh, James or I directly through our respective websites. And just a couple of the other New World Next Week updates,
1: I think it fully exposing the farce. Joe Biden's son takes the position, as, uh, along with the UK gas producer, the U.S. holding massive military drills to deter and detect attacks after Russia holds drills, Japan and Israel getting together to boost cooperation, and U.S. drones search for kidnapped Nigeria girls. James, I think... The longer we've done this show, I think as the stories keep coming and the stories keep coming out, I think it shows that we've kind of been on top of a lot of these stories years in advance. And then it's kind of shown, yes, AFRICOM is coming. Yes, they've acclimated you to drones. And yes, they want you to cheer along it james
0: unfortunately so well on the note of what's going on in africa i just did a conversation with keith harman snow that should be up by the time this video comes out and very interesting talking about the 20th anniversary of the Rw- rwandan genocide which plays into what happened in uganda and, and congo and other places besides so an interesting conversation on that note and i'll direct people there and uh i think that's going to be it for me this week anything you'd like to direct people to
1: uh, just some of my most recent interviews I've done are available over on uh, com, and very much more to come. So I'd like to
0: personally th- recommend the John Rappaport interview on uh, jazz musicians. I thought that was really good. Thank you. I, I really enjoyed that talk as well. All right. Okay, we'll leave it there for this week and looking forward again to next week. James, thank you again for Three Stories.
1: All right. Thanks, man.